an amazing God who loves us unconditionally, always, and He will never let anything separate us from His love. If we place our life in His hands, he's, He takes us and He loves us and He will be our best friend always. He will be our Savior always. And uh, it's so good. I want to read to you this morning from John chapter 19. Um, I think it's up on the screen. John chapter 19 and verse 16. It says, Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, with Jesus between them. And Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people could read it. Then the leading priests objected and said to Pilate, Change it from the King of the Jews to he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate said, No, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. And this fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So this is what they did. And if we just skip down to verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Can you imagine the humiliation? Can you imagine the shame for Jesus? Not just the, the pain emotionally, but physically that Jesus had gone through. After being whipped, after being beaten, after being falsely accused... And then sentenced to death, he carries his cross down between those streets. He carries the cross, and some people are yelling at him, some people are spitting at him, some people are crying. They're weeping because they know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior, come to save us from our sin. Can you imagine the humiliation in that moment? I wonder what the most humiliating thing that's ever happened to you. Can I grab the PowerPoint? Thanks, guys. I wonder what the most humiliating thing that's ever happened to you is. I was, I was thinking about some of the things that have happened to me, and I was thinking of all these stories I could tell you, and I'm thinking, I'm not telling any of them. I thought about this one, and I'm like, no, I'm just not brave enough. It's just too, too humiliating. The shame is just too much. But I'm sure you've got lots of great stories too, and I won't ask you to share them. But we've all done things that we're ashamed of. Sorry, is that... Jesus suffered humiliation. And we've all got things we're ashamed of. But Jesus came to deal with our shame. Maybe there's little things you're ashamed of. Maybe there's big things you're ashamed of. We've all got things that we're ashamed of. The good news is that Jesus came to take away our sin. To deal with our shame, our sin. But first, we need to understand the seriousness of our shame. Jesus didn't just come to deal with our embarrassment. 
Now, embarrassment is when you go to the shop, you buy chips and gravy, and then you spill them all down your front and have to live with chips and gravy all over your pants for the rest of the day. That's, that's embarrassing. Shame is when you walk up to someone with their chips and gravy and you're angry at them and you knock them out of their hands and walk away and everyone sees what you've done. That is shame. It is wrong to ever knock chips and gravy out of a man's hands. That is wrong. Jesus came not just to deal with our embarrassment, but our shame, our sin. Every child goes through a stage of innocence, and I wonder how many of us have seen a, a child do something that's, that's naughty, but they almost don't even know it's naughty yet, and, and we sort of laugh, and we go, oh, that's, that's funny. But we've all grown out of that, hopefully. We know what sin is. We've all sinned. We've all ignored God. We've all done our own thing. We've all hurt another person that God loves. It's not just embarrassing, but we've, in, uh, we've ignored the commands of the Creator God, the King of the universe. We have ignored His commands. We've done our own thing. And that's sin. I want you to think about it this way this morning. We, we're going on a, a hike next week, a few of us CFC blokes. And I want you to imagine, sorry, just sit that down over there. I want you to imagine your life is a backpack. Here's one I prepared earlier. And I, this isn't me just training. I'm just trying to fit every bit in I can. That I haven't done much training. But I want you to imagine for a moment your life is a backpack. And everything you do in your life goes into your backpack. And everything you've done from the moment you're born to the moment you die it goes into your backpack. And there's all kinds of stuff in there. And you're going, what's he, what's he got? You want to know what's in my backpack? I'm not telling you everything. Like I said, it's too, I'm too ashamed. There's all, all sorts of things in your backpack. All the things you do in your life. There's the, there's the fun stuff, if I can get it out. There's the, the fun moments, had surfing. And then there's the dirty socks. And, oops, sorry, there's another one. I won't pull out that one. Um, and then there's, there's the, the skills and things you learn. And then there's other stuff in your backpack. We've all, we've all got this stuff. There's, there's trophies you've won. And there's, what else is in here? Uh, there's the, the quality reading you've read. And there's, there's the, the stories of your life. The things that you've done, the things you've thought, the things you've said, the things, the things you've done, places you've been. There's the cars you drove. Now, isn't that an awesome car? For those of you who don't know what car I drive, that's it. Only much bigger. Well, a little bit. <laughs> but then there's other things in your backpack that you, you kind of don't bring out very often because we're ashamed. There's the sin that we carry in our backpack. And there's some, there's some little ones. And then there's the other ones that we, we try and cram down even further. There's the bigger things that we're ashamed of. And it's all in there. We, our, our, our lives are full of all kinds of things, but there's shame, there's sin, and so much in there that we cannot deal with. We cannot get rid of the stuff in our backpack. And it's like God, the creator of all things, says, I've made a rule, and anyone with sin in their bag is going to be judged. Anyone with sin in their bag, no matter how small or how big, no matter what it is, if there's sin in your bag, then you're going to be judged and you're going to be cut off from my kingdom. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. 
It says anyone with sin in their bag deserves judgment. But you know, the good news is that God had a plan. God doesn't want us all to be judged. He has chosen a way to make us right with Him. He has made a way for us to be forgiven and not be judged as we deserve. And it says Jesus came as a person like everyone else. Here's his bag. Jesus came, he lived, he walked the earth, and he never sinned. There's no sin went in his bag. And yet, he went to the cross to take upon him every sin that was ever committed. He had no sin. Death had no power over him. And yet, he went to the cross to be crucified on our behalf. It was our sin that held him there. It wasn't... Anything he had done, he went to the cross to deal with our sin. And he said, it's paid in full. If you can't read it, that's what it says on there. It's paid in full. Jesus came to pay the price for our sin. And I didn't organize with the band where I was going to put these things very well because I was going to sit on there, but that's all right. (laughs) Thanks, ladies. Jesus came to pay the price that we could never pay. And because he'd never sinned, we can hand our sin to him because he's God, because he's the one without sin. He came to take the penalty for our sin that we can bring our lives to him, that we can hand over our sin and say, thank you, Jesus. I acknowledge what you did for me. It doesn't matter how big or how small, we can hand it over to him and know that it is paid in full. It is finished. It is done. It doesn't matter what's in your bag. It doesn't matter what's in your life. Jesus has done it all. And then he proved to the world that he is risen, that he's alive, that he's conquered sin and death. That anyone who comes after him would be saved, that they would have life and eternal life and not judgment as we deserve. John chapter 8 verse 36. Whoops. It says, If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. He's taken the penalty. You don't have to try and pay it. He's taken your sin. You don't have to try and do it. Jesus has paid it in full. Not in part, not a little bit, not as long as you do enough as well. He has paid it in full at the cross. And that's what Easter is all about. That's what's so exciting about his death and resurrection. This morning we're going to have communion. I'll just ask if the stewards would come and hand out the biscuit and the cup. Jesus said before he died, do this in remembrance of me. Don't ever forget the significance of what I have done for you. He took the the bread, take the, the biscuit, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the the wine, the grape juice, and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this morning we're going to stop and we're just going to think about what he has done, that he has paid it in full. And we're going to sing a song that says, If love endured that ancient cross, how precious is my Saviour's blood. How wonderful, how glorious, my Saviour's scars, victorious. Because of his scars, because of his death, because of what he has done, we can be victorious. Can we stand this morning? And let's sing this song. Just hold that biscuit, hold that cup. This morning, if you're a visitor, please feel free to join us in communion. If you want to celebrate, if you want to thank Jesus for what he's done for you,
I invite you to join us. If you, don't, if you feel uncomfortable to take it, feel, please feel free to let that pass as well. But let's celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Amen. We're going to continue to read this morning from John chapter 19. And if you'd like to take a seat. John chapter 19, verse 31, it says, It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of two of the men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth, so you may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scripture that say, Not one of his bones will be broken. And they will look on the one they pierced. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, They wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. There was no doubt about it. Jesus was dead. There was no doubt about it. Jesus was dead. His life was gone. Can we go to the PowerPoint again? Thanks, guys. There's been all kinds of arguments over the years. All kinds of skeptics saying, well, maybe Jesus never really died. Maybe Jesus was kind of like really, really not doing well. But if you know what Roman Roman crucifixion is, that's not a possibility. And then others say, well, actually, maybe his body was stolen. His body was stolen. Yeah, he was dead. There's no doubt about it. But his body was stolen, and, and they just made up this whole story. And he, that he never really rose again. But if you think about the two arguments, even the two arguments against the resurrection don't add up. Neither could argue their point, because the other point argued against them. It just didn't make sense. When you look at the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most logical conclusion is that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. We're going to have a look at a a short clip, just for a moment, about the evidence of the resurrection. Thanks, guys. Feel free to share that, like it, share it around, please do. Uh, on the 4th of May, there's a, a movie coming out uh, called The Case for Christ, based on the life of Lee Strobel. And I'm excited to see that movie and uh, to see the impact it's going to have in people's lives. I encourage you to go and see it. Take a friend and 
explore the, the life of this atheist who was so angry about the church, who then said, I'm going to go about proving that Jesus did not rise from the dead and then couldn't help it but come to faith himself. Check it out. The question that's left for us, Jesus was dead, but now he is alive. If Jesus really did die and rise again, what does it mean for us? What does it mean? How does it affect us? I want to read to you from Acts chapter 1 for a moment and verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. You know, the writer doesn't even bother explaining about the many ways that Jesus proved that he really was alive again. That was just common knowledge. It's like, we know he's alive. He, did, he proved it in many ways. And he goes on and he says, Jesus told them, don't worry about the kingdom coming. God knows when that's going to happen. God knows when he's going to restore his kingdom and, and make all things, put the, all things under his authority again. He says, you guys, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Let it empower you. And then go out and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And today, what do we see has happened? The gospel has gone out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and almost to the ends of the earth. Jesus ascends into the sky, and two white-robed men appear among them. He says, what are you looking for? He's gone, but he's coming back. What does it mean for us, though? He's, Jesus said they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. They were going to have power to be His witnesses. And also, He's coming back again. He's not coming back to save us from sin this time. He's coming back as the righteous judge. He's coming back to find all who are ready, all who have called on Him as their Lord and Saviour, to, to judge the living and the dead. He is coming again. It reminds me of Luke's record of what happened at the at the tomb in, in uh, Luke 24, when the angels appear to the women who've gone to the tomb and they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here. He's alive. And I think God would give us the same challenge today. We've all got lives full 
of sin. Big ones and small ones. Fat ones and skinny ones. Tall ones and short ones. Our lives are full of sin. It's in our life. We've got challenges. We've got things and and worries and things that weigh us down. And Jesus would say to us, don't try and find life among dead things. Don't go looking for life in everything else. He says, come to me and find life. Come to me, let me fill you with my spirit and that you might be filled with my spirit and empowered to be who I created you to be. It's like he wants not just to to get our sin and come and sort of say, oh Jesus, can you just deal with this one for me? Can you just take that one for me? He says, no. Sorry, I'm just going to put this in. He wants us to get all our sin, all our junk, all our lives. Come to him and not just not just say thank you, Jesus, but he wants us to, to be to be covered by his blood, to be fully clothed in Christ. Galatians says, I no longer live, it's Christ that lives in me. And Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could be, could be covered by his blood. When I practiced that at home, it went inside, but <laughs> I'll sit that down there. Jesus doesn't want us just to come and ask him to help us a little bit. He wants us to, to give our lives to him, that we could be fully covered by the blood of Jesus, that we could be empowered by his spirit, that it would no longer be the old sinful me that lives, but it's Christ that lives. And as we stand before God in judgment day, he will not see our sin. He sees that it is paid in full. Jesus has done it all for every one of us. And he says, will we come to him? Will we acknowledge what he has done for us? Will we ask him to fill us? Will we come to him and find life? Or will we look to everything else in the world and end up disappointed? Day by day, he wants us to not rely on our own strength, not to try and carry it all ourselves. He says, come to me. Anyone who carries heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He'll give you life to the full and he'll use you to bring life to others. This morning, maybe you need to acknowledge your sin for the very first time. That you need to say, thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross to deal with my sin. And you need to acknowledge that Jesus died on that cross so that you could be set free. There is no other way that man could be saved, the Bible says. It's through what Jesus has done for us upon the cross. Maybe you need to ask him to fill you again, that you're just struggling and striving, just trying to get through life to heaven. But Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to fill us with power, to be his witnesses. Not to be weak and miserable, that we would be filled with life and that we would be filled with courage to speak out and, and to share the life that he has given for us. That's God's plan for you and I. He doesn't want us to wait for all the answers. He doesn't want us to wait for everything to line up and it's like, okay, okay, now I can go out and be his witness. He says, all that he's called, everyone that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour has been called to be his hands and feet, to share the message of the good news with the world around us. I'll ask the band to come. We're going to finish with a song in a moment, but I want to pray this morning for each and every one of us, that we would truly know that 
If the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. Can we stand this morning? Lord God, we thank you that we can celebrate this morning that you are the risen Saviour. That Lord, you rose again and then you didn't just die a a normal death, but Lord, you ascended to the heavens. That Lord, you are going to come back. That you are the one who rules and reigns. That you are the one who's going to bring to fulfilment your kingdom, Lord. To make all things new. Maybe this morning you're in that place and you want to ask God for his forgiveness. And this morning, I'm not going to ask you to come down the front or anything, but I want to ask if you would raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to ask for Jesus' forgiveness. It's not so I can see, but it's so that you make a definite decision to say, okay, this is the moment, this is the time. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to admit that I am a sinner and that he is my saviour. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you just to take that step, to make this moment the moment that you surrender your life, your sin to him, that you turn away from living for yourself as your own God and living for the true and living God. Maybe there's some others here this morning. You want to just raise your hand and say, Lord, fill me again. I feel so dry. Fill me again with the Holy Spirit, the power that you came that you, came, you said you would send. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for those ones, that you would fill them, that you would embolden them, Lord. That, Lord, you would uh, Lord, just stir from the inside, Lord, that well of living water. That, Lord, we would be refreshed day by day by day. Help us to, to spend time with you, to, to, to pray, to, 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 read our, to read the Word, to, to pray in tongues, Lord, to, to be filled with your Spirit. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for those this morning that have lifted their hand to say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I thank you for what you have done for me. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that in the days and the weeks and the years ahead that they would recognize they are not the same person anymore. But Lord Jesus, you, the moment we put our faith and trust in you, you adopt us into your family. You send your Holy Spirit to live in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would just so, so, so fill them with your peace. Fill them with your joy. Fill them with an overwhelming sense of the hope you have given them, Lord. That, Lord, they would have a, a confidence in you that cannot be shaken. Lord, help us as brothers and sisters in Christ to stand beside one another, to encourage one another, to help each other through the hard times, Lord. Lord, we desire to be your witnesses, Lord, until you come back. Help us, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing this song. It says, Water, you turned into wine. You opened the eyes of the blind. There is none like you. Into the darkness you shine. Nothing can stand against you. Let's stand and let's sing this out. Let's respond and thank Jesus for what he has done for us. That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And if that's you this morning that you've, you said you want, to, want God to, to fill your life, I'd love for you just to come and say, hey, that was me. And I'd love to be able to pray for you through the week. It's not just a one-off decision. It's a day-by-day decision to keep walking with God. Let's give it to him and let's live for him. He's so worthy of our praise. Thanks, guys.